We all thought the Winnipeg Jets were going to do some dealing this season. They're like, psych, no or not, and extended uh, two of their primary pieces uh, to new contracts. contract, as a matter of fact. We will debate and discuss whether or not it's the right move. Speaking of contracts, the Sabres handed out uh, some mega contracts to two of their young defensemen. We will see how that shakes up with the rest of the roster. Plus, we have a smorgasbord of news, including Connor Bedard's arrival to the NHL. Episode 383 of the Lace Mop Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Starting in the place they call Winnipeg in January, February, and anytime there's snow on the ground. Uh, Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele, we all thought they were going somewhere. Brett was probably hoping Mark Scheifele to the Bruins, potentially. Yep. Uh, instead, they're just uh, staying put in Winnipeg on identical seven-year deals. Yeah, I mean, I, I also, I, I told you pre-show that I wanted to mention this because this is a lace them up first here, a little bit behind baseball here. Uh, usually, because oh, yeah. everyone knows that I'm um, a, a diehard Bruins fan, uh, but my other diehard team is the Patriots. Um, and in that way, Steve is always so gracious enough because he always has a weirder schedule than I do. But when, whenever we record, I'm always like, oh, the Patriots are playing. We can't do that. Um, this is actually the first time ever in Lace Em Up history that uh, we're recording while the Patriots are playing. Um, I'm still watching the game on my iPad um, as we speak. But uh, it's just uh, it's like just like how the rest of the football fans feel, basically. It's... To, if you don't follow the NFL, I guess the best comparison is like the Red Wings after Datsukinberg retired because it's like you yeah. had 20 years of sustained success. Yeah, there was a little bit of turmoil in the middle, but for the most part, you had it pretty good. Um, and then, um, and then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh wait a second, my team sucks," and you're just rooting for your team to lose because it gets you a better draft pick. But now I feel like I'm a be- I'm a bad fan for rooting for the team to lose. So, in any case, um, I just want—I <laughs> know it's not hockey related, but I did want to mention that because I feel like it's a milestone in our in our uh, recording. Um, yeah, the good news is the Bruins are, are playing well to start yeah. the year, so that's good. Yeah, that's that. true. Yeah, that's true. Although the Bruins, it could very well happen where, especially because Bergeron retired, it's like, yeah, the Bruins still have a good team and it's not going to be like, I don't imagine it's going to be like that. But there is definitely a possibility where, like, in a few years, if none of the prospects work out, it's just going to be like, oh, I guess Pasternak and is, like, just the only guy, basically, in, in McAvoy, so... Um, but I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. I guess, like, I was thinking the same thing even after Brady left the Pats. I was thinking, like, oh, you know, we'll probably be a middle-of-the-road team for a little bit, but I never thought it would be this bad where we would just flat-out stink. Um, So, in any case, um, let's talk about some hockey because hockey's back, um, excitingly. Um, And, yeah, as, as Steve alluded to, uh, there were two, well, there's 
four, well, I guess there's going to be five signings that we're going to get to, but um, the, fir the first two is what we're going to be talking about right now. Um, um, that uh, we kind of, it's a little bit of a head scratcher because, um, yeah, so as Steve had alluded to, I thought Connor Hellebuck gets signed to a seven year deal uh, worth $8.5 million. Um, he is 31. So at the end of this contract, he'll be 38 years old, and that's usually around the time when goalies end up retiring anyways. Um, so that, that's probably going to be when he gets traded, or, or not traded, but it looks like he's not going to be traded. Um, and then Mark Scheifele also gets a seven-year deal worth $8.5 million as well. Um, and, um, and yeah, so I, I think it, this is more of a shocker more so for two reasons. One, because those they traded away uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, um, and um, it seemed like oh, okay, the Winnipeg Jets are they're going to be rebuilding, and that increased the chances of people being like, okay, who else are they going to sell off? It looks like Shifley's free agent next year. He seems like he would get a huge return, and same with Connor Hellebuck, and even like Connor Hellebuck, kind of at the end of. The season last year, he kind of said something where he wasn't sure if he wanted to stay in Winnipeg. That added into the fact um, that, like, the like historically speaking, Winnipeg never really holds on to their free agents because it's like notoriously known as a place where nobody wants to live in. Uh, so on on the positive sides, it is kind of cool that. Like, uh, both Shifley and Hellebuck were, like, said, like, a lot of players wanted to leave here, but we're staying here. And that's, that's kind of cool. On the other hand, it's like, what is this, where is the future going to look at um, after a while? Because it's like, yeah, Kyle Connor, he's a, definitely, like, a top 15 player at the very least. I don't know if that's a controversial take or not, but... Um, and then, you know, you, you added, you know, you extended Josh Morrissey, um, to a large extension and he really only had one great year. Um, and, um, and it's, it seems like the, it's like really just Shifley and Connor. And then I don't know how you really like, and then no one else that's really that special. And also like they now have 2.3 million left in cap space, um, you know, so it's it's still early though, but like you know, Gabe Velarde had kind of looked good, and that's who they got in the PLD case. But um, yeah, so like you know, for both Hellebuck and Shifley, there were rumors abound for who what trading partners they were going to go to, and yeah, now it's just a shocking move because it's like, oh, okay, I guess they're both staying. So um, you know, I'm kind of happy for Winnipeg Jets fans because they've like even though I'm sure like there are some fans who were just embracing the rebuild and and wanted to move on from these guys even though they they give them a lot of joy over the years because like there were times when Hellebuck would be standing on his head and like being the only player to actually will them into the playoffs um but at the same time it's kind of just it's really cool that like you know these two players stay in Winnipeg because that's a rarity um nowadays yeah uh so so there are a couple of things that i wanted to kind of unpack first of all and and 
to your Patriots analogy, I can understand why the Jets decide to keep these two because you're at the status where it's just like, ah, what's the point? Why should I watch this team? Yeah. They suck. They're going to lose anyway. Right. I'd rather save my sanity as a sports fan. Mm. And as we there, – there are a multitude of reasons as to why the old Winnipeg Jets left for uh, Arizona. But um, I definitely think the fact that the Jets were kind of on the downswing in terms of the players they were willing to keep – I think is part of the reason why uh, things ended the way it did. And maybe there was a growing fear that if Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley walked in free agency or um, the Jets had to trade him because they weren't going to sign long-term, um, that, you know, the Jets would be worse off and they would lose that fan interest. And this is a team that uh, needs fans to pack the building every night uh, in terms of, revenue um like they're that the fans are basically all they've got and for the sake of the business and the brand it would make sense to go well think of all the futures we could get but how is that going to help for the immediate future and keeping the immediate future of the fans like engaged all the way through mm. and so they're just like okay might be a risk well, we're taking this risk because these are two fan favorites. Uh, we're probably better off with them than without them. And with the cap going up, maybe that allows us to, you know, trade other pieces away in order to make room for, you know, um, a coming of age of sorts. Like you could trade away Neil Pionk, for example. You could trade away uh, Nikolai Ehlers, who I feel has been on the outside looking in for quite some time now. Um, you could trade those pieces and get futures out of them, That's just true. like you did. Maybe not to the degree that you got for Pierre Louvre Dubois, but you could still get some futures. You could get like uh, first round picks and second round picks, and uh, with a strong draft class coming up, that definitely helps. Um, the the thing about Connor Hellbuck in particular, uh, when we talk about regression, Carey Price was age thirty four when he played. What is probably going to turn out to be his final NHL game, and Braden Holtby, who recently um, stepped away from hockey a couple seasons ago, his career ended when he was 32. And you look at the workload of Braden Holtby early in his career. You look at the workload of Carey Price in his career, as I mentioned many times in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Connor Elbuck has a similar workload where it's just like. Let's just throw everything at Connor, and he's probably going to stop like 91% of the shots, and he's going to give us a chance to win every night, and that's good enough. And I feel like all those years of the Jets leaning on Connor uh, when they're really ready to compete and they have other missing pieces in place, um, and they just need Connor Hellebuck to you know be good, and he's not the goalie that he is anymore – that's where you start to uh, see the regression and you start to look at Carey Price's contract, for example. It's got three more years left on it and he hasn't really played for the past two. So the first three to four years might look fine and dandy, but what about the next three to four in Hellbook's contract? That's really going to be um, the tell-all sign there. The other thing is... Uh, and specifically regards to Connor Hellbuck, but it it goes to the Winnipeg formula as well. 
is Connor Hellbuck mentioned that he wanted to be on a contender, and that's why I assumed and manifested all offseason he was going to wind up in New Jersey at some point. So now that he's in Winnipeg and Mark Scheifele's still in Winnipeg and they're there for the long term, it's like, okay, well, how's this team going to get better? Because you can't expect them to just roll with the same lineup every single year and not make any significant changes. They have to make significant changes. I feel Kevin Dayoff really had to sell Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck on staying here with his with his vision. A vision of, okay, you stay on board, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my plan. Here's my plan to make Winnipeg Jets a better team. So I'm interested to see over the next couple of years how that uh, plan factors into things. And I would hope that plan includes Kyle Connor because, as you mentioned, Brett, he's one of the best goal scorers in the game today. He already has three goals in two games to start the year. Yep. Um, you're talking about an easy 35 to 40 goal scorer any given year. Mm. And he's got three years left on his contract, and he's getting paid less than $8 million. I'm sorry, as the cap goes up and the superstars get paid, he's yep. going to be with around, in my opinion, $9 to $10 million. Yep. And... Can you afford that if you're the Winnipeg Jets? I think you have to, because why the hell would you not keep Kyle Connor on your on your hockey club? He's mm-hmm. the best goal scorer that you have of with a bullet. And um that that's that's gonna be a really interesting uh, story to watch as to whether or not Winnipeg Jets uh, have Kyle Connor as part of their plans. They should, but uh, whether or not um, their visions align is gonna be interesting to follow. Well, okay, so you said a couple things here that I wanted to respond to. Uh, one, uh, just, okay. it's just funny how when you mentioned, you compared Winnipeg to the Patriots, and then you said the Jets, and I was just like, okay, you, you know, can you ease off on the Jets here? Um, just because there's the New York Jets here. Uh, but. <laughs> Sorry, I meant, I meant the Florida Panthers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who I exactly. Yeah. Yeah, if, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's. I I can't think at the moment of like other uh, combinations like that. The Kings and the Sacramento. Yeah, I think it's. I think yeah. it's just. Yeah, true. The Kings, Sacramento, LA. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Both in California as well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, kidding aside, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think they're. You know, well, also, I guess we should mention that like Mark Scheifele does have three points in these two games as well. Um, do it. Mm. The fact that he's on Kyle Connor's line, um, so there is that element and like a big reason why you know selfishly, uh, Shifley on the Bruins is because you need a center um, to yep. to be there, and Shifley is that guy. So ultimately, it's like you know if 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 you got rid of Shifley or traded him away, it's like I, I feel like Kyle Connor wouldn't be as good. Um, just because who knows what center is actually going to be the center for Kyle Connor. Um, so, yeah, and whether yeah. or not, if, if you want to get him on the open market, are there yeah. any, A, premium stars that want to come to Winnipeg, and B, can you afford them? Right, 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 Which, exactly. Jack Eichel, I don't think he can. Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, I don't think he can there. Of course. Uh, yeah. Even Elias Lindholm, I don't even know if he yeah. would want to come to Winnipeg if he's on the open market. True, true, yeah. And it, that, that is the other point. And I guess it's like, you know, I got the sense that Pierre-Luc Dubois just didn't want to play, be in Winnipeg, and maybe, like, clearly, I guess Shifley is, yeah. is like, you know what, I want to be in, in uh, Winnipeg, and that's kind of cool too in its own way. It's like, yeah, like obviously in Boston, but I can also have some sympathy for people in Winnipeg being like, you know what? 
we finally got someone who wants to stay in Winnipeg. And that's, and as I was saying, that's a rarity. It's also, there was something about like how Blake Wheeler left last year. That was kind of surprising too. Mm -hmm. So it's like, there is something to the fact of like, you know, that Winnipeg is like, you know what, if you don't want to be here, then fine, we're going to trade you or get, you know, for Wheeler's case, it's like, you know, we're just going to wait till your contract is over, <laughs> willing to take on a Wheeler's uh, huge contract at the time. Um, and, you know, they, they're they fine with that. But then it's like, you know what, if you want to stay here, we're going to pay some money here and they already did that for Morrissey uh even like Connor at the time like yeah at the time seven million was kind of a lot but now of course he's worth it I um, mean that that brings me to my other point where like yeah like you know right now he's undervalued Kyle Connor uh, to what he's doing but they have three years left on that contract so they yeah. they don't really need to decide how much they're going to pay him in three years. Because, like, who knows? Maybe in three round. And uh, Kyle Connor does want to stay here. Um, and uh, so there is that chance. It's just more of, like, you know, maybe maybe Nikolai Ehlers doesn't want to be here. Maybe on a lineup here. I guess, like, they don't have a ton of free agents um, opening up now. But, um, but, yeah, maybe, like, you know, Nidorider you could get something for um, if they do actually start to struggle. But... You know, I I respect teams that do that, where they like, you know what, we're going for it. Um, and if if it is a disaster at the end of the day, it's like, okay, we have some moves left anyways. But, you know, there is something to just being proud of your team and who you have um, and, and paying the guys who want to be there. Um, so, so there I is wonder if, that. like, the status of the Central Division as a whole and the sudden struggles of teams like St. Louis and Nashville, yeah. where you don't really know what you get from those teams, and obviously Arizona and Chicago are still trying to build their way back up the food chain. Maybe the Winnipeg Jets see themselves in a better position than they thought they did like one or two years ago right. in terms of their hierarchy in that division. Yeah, yeah, totally fair too. Um, and also I do want to mention that I, the, uh, like, during your whole speech here, Steve, and it's not, not your fault, I think it just might be Discord that we're doing on, but I wanted to let people know that, yes, we're aware that you were kind of, like, in and out, uh, during that whole thing, but I didn't want, it, I didn't want you to, like, redo it, <laughs> so, um, you can, you can <laughs> still, good. you can still get the gist of it, but it might be annoying for some of our listeners, so I apologize for that, um, if you made it this far. Um, okay, uh... Now, speaking of which, my computer is, uh, like, failing here. Um, but uh, I was going to go to the next topic, uh, which uh, is uh, the Buffalo Sabres. They signed, uh, they signed two people who are going to be core guys now as well. Uh, one is Rasmus Dahlin, and the other is Owen Power. Um... And uh, so Rasmus Dahlin gets an eight-year deal worth $11 million. I believe that makes him the highest-paid defenseman. Um, is that correct, right, Steve? Um, I don't know if it's the highest-paid, but it's, it's within Drew Doughty, Eric Carlson territory, and they're around, like, 11, $11.5 range. Gosh, got you. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still pretty high, obviously, but 
Uh, there's that. Yeah, it's near it's near the top of the highest paid defenseman, like even higher than Kale McCarr right now. Right, 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 right. Um, and then um, Owen Power, he gets signed. Um, it was like a couple of days later too. Um, Owen Power, yeah. he signs um, a seven year deal worth eight point three five million um, as well. You know, Aline had a had a, a phenomenal year last year. Um, uh, he almost like I don't I don't think people have actually talked about it so much because like there were other defensemen who did really well too of course but like he he finished eighth in the Norris but he also had seventy three points in seventy eight games um but it's like he, like in a weird way he kind of fell under the radar but this is kind of what we were expecting out of Rasmus Dahlin when he was uh, the first overall pick in twenty eighteen so. Um, and, and, you know, I guess that kind of makes sense because, like, unlike forwards and goalies take a lot longer to develop. So when you get someone like Rasmus Dahlin, who was hyped from the very beginning, um, and you get a guy like that, and, yeah, he, he had 44 points in 82 games his rookie year. But, like, when you get a guy like that, you know, you it, it just takes him a little bit longer just to, to get around and all that stuff so yeah i think it's like you know i don't think he's like a kale mccarr or roman yossi or eric Olson, anything like that but he definitely has the potential to be that um in the in the coming future um as for owen power i was just gonna look up his stats but my uh computer is failing me here so i'm just gonna look on my phone and uh yeah so last year he had uh, 35 points in 79 games last year, um, and I believe when you were like last year when you were kind of um, you were saying about like comparing Jake Sanderson to Owen Power, um, you had kind of mentioned the whole like um, you know just the fact that Jake Sanderson was a sh- on the shorthanded and. And all that stuff, but like Owen Power still played like I think like twenty minutes on the um, on like short like just overall in the regular season, um, and he did end up having more points than Jake Sanderson. Just to I don't know why I'm comparing them now, but um, in any case, it's um, there is something to like the fact that like he may never be like Rasmus Dahlin just because. Uh, there's only so much that can happen for the Buffalo Sabers, but um, yeah, and, and also know, there's only there's only one puck on the ice. Exactly, well. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. So both can't get points all the time. Exactly, but he is a good. You know, it's hard to even like quantify like the defensive side of um, of hockey really either. But you know, like yeah, the fact that like as I was just saying with Rasmus Stalin, defensemen take a lot of time to develop. So, so yeah, the fact that, like, he's still going to be locked up for um, a few years uh, or a long time now. And, um, yeah, he's only, like, 20 right now, and he's only going to get better. Um, so that's, like, that's what they're doing. And, and it kind of last year with uh, Tage Thompson, um, where they, you know, Tage Thompson had this one really, really good year. And then the next year they signed him even before he uh, really blew up. Um, they signed him to this like long-term contract and, you know, people like me and I think you as well are kind of skeptical of it. But now he, this is like, you know, 
he's 7.1 million uh, as a 25 year old it's like and he's their best player right now so it's like okay yeah they they kind of know what they're doing and maybe that's what they're thinking owen power is gonna do as well where like in the future like they're gonna make you know owen power is gonna be worth a lot more um than than what he's making right now and so they they're 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 banking on him to to grow and develop just like Rasmus Dahlin has right now. So I uh, just want to preface that Owen Power and Jake Sanderson, um, you know, give or take a handful of games, have roughly the same amount of overall NHL experience. Um, he played eight games uh, in 21-22. He played 79 last year. He's played two this year. That's a grand total of 89 games over two and a bit seasons. And... Well, I shouldn't even say two in a bit, like two in a couple of games. Yes. Um, but either way, uh, the Sabres, similar to Jake Sanderson on what they're betting on upside here. And he's getting paid a bit more than Jake Sanderson. Jake Sanderson is getting paid 300 less than Owen Power is. And uh, Owen Power's uh, contract is actually for one l- year less than Sanderson. Sanderson signed an eight-year, and Power signed a, a seven-year in this case, which is interesting. Um your point about uh, Owen Power's numbers, you know, for rookie season, like, again, uh, not knocking his rookie season or anything, he's just as impressive as Jake Sanderson is. And he averaged 23.48 of ice time per game, which for a rookie, you know, is a pretty big call. And uh, so far through two games, he's averaged 24.39. So while it's a small sample size, um, they are trusting him even a little bit more than they did last year already in uh, what's expected to be his second full season of NHL duty. Um, and then when you look at Rasmus Dahlin, um, you know, a superstar player coming off a big campaign, uh, went through a lot in his first couple of seasons and really had to grow and mature as, as a player on, on both sides of the puck. Um, and there were a lot of lean times where Buffalo was doing a lot of losing and it's easy for a guy to lose confidence, but he stuck with it. He, he believed in himself. He believed in the process and over time things got better and he reaped the fruits of his labor. And now he's getting paid like one of the highest paid defenders in the league. And I think over time, both of these contracts uh, are going to, I think age pretty well. Um, at the very least, I think Dowling can live up to his contract. I don't know if he can necessarily exceed it. To exceed an $11 million contract for a defenseman, uh, like, how many points would you need? Like, consistent yeah. 100-point seasons? Um, so yeah. if he can average, like, 70 or 80 points a year and be, like, an elite defender in all situations, then definitely, yeah, I think he's he's worth $11 million. Yeah. Uh, and then Owen Power is just going to continue to evolve, like you said, in, in, in an era where the market's going to be reset, like we said, with Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes yeah. in a couple of years getting paid. Um, by the time that deal ends, you know, who knows how much the highest paid defenseman in the league is going to be making at that time. So yeah. um, I, I hate this move because um, this directly impacts the Ottawa Senators. And <laughs> of course, uh, the Buffalo Sabres of the mid-2000s were a big pain in their ass. Yeah. And they're probably going to be exactly that as both teams continue yeah. to improve. And uh, while it doesn't seem like bargain contracts today, yep. down the line, I think both of these are, are going to be great for the Sabres. Yeah, agreed. And like, even still, like the Sabers have eight point eight million uh, still on their cap space. I know these two contracts 
uh, you know, even reflected right now. Yeah, because they but, don't take into effect until next year. Exactly. So mostly, most of the, the cap space they have next year are going to be going to these two deals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so the, there is that to think about, but um, that, like, oh, they could get better and, and make some installment. Maybe someone named Patrick Kane, um, who still somehow isn't yeah. being signed right now. So, so they could, uh, you know, they could just gear up and buy, get someone like for a rental basically um and uh you know compete at least this year before those two contracts really take hold um yeah i i guess um that's about it here um i think um okay well, we do we do have uh, the rapid fire oh no 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 i know it's not it it but it was more oh, just on this subject of, yeah. yeah yeah um okay so let me this uh going here because i have um cause now my computer is like on the fritz here so um in any case um okay i have the things here because i've just been using my phone to to find all the stuff here um okay so starting the timer right now um or am i starting the timer yeah here you go um nope okay so uh, Devin Tays is the other contract that I kind of alluded to with there was five contracts this week. Uh, he gets signed a seven seven point two five million. Um, and uh, you know, Devin Tays, he did it actually surprisingly, he had fifty points in eighty games last year. Um, even, you know, with twenty five minutes of ice time. And I mean a lot of that had to do with the fact that like Kamakar was injured and Bowen Byron was injured uh, for most of the season last year. But, um, but like, you know, so this is like, it's kind of interesting too, cause he's like their third best defenseman, uh, clearly. Um, but like, even still, it's like at this point, um, you know, Devin Tays, you know, should not be able to walk for nothing. And it's not, and you know, because the Avalanche are going to be contenders for, uh, this season at the very least, you need to lock him up. And um, I do think it is a long term for someone like that. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I can totally understand why Joe Sackick and company decided to do that. I also wanted to mention that he is now the 29th highest paid defenseman in the NHL. Um, so, so there's that as well. Yeah, the, the thing with Devontae's is he's also this analytical darling yep. that uh, stats guys go gaga over. And also a pretty good all-around defenseman. Hits block shots, he does everything. Yep. Um, and I feel like when you lose Eric Johnson in the offseason, and you have Josh Manson as a default shutdown defenseman, and your bottom pairing guys are guys like Jack Johnson and Sam Gerrard, the latter of which has a big contract that has been around the rumor mill as getting moved at some point, but somehow hasn't yet. Um, I, I feel like losing a piece like Devontae's made a tough pillow swallow for the Avs and a guy that you can't replace right away. Hmm. Um, so they just decided to keep him. And I think they made the right decision yep. in that regard. He's going to get paid quite a bit of money. Uh, and it's still at a relatively nice discount for the team when you consider that the cap is going to be going up. Um, it's it's definitely going to impact the dynamic of, you know, long-term who stays on their blue line if they can afford Bowen Byram long-term. 
Um, if, you know, you have guys like Ross Colton and Miles Wood, how long they'll be around. Um, and it's, it's, it, it's it's one of those things where uh, Colorado is going to be have going to have to be diligent with their with their role players and how they utilize them and who they keep and who they ditch. But in my opinion, Devontae is a core member of this team that they couldn't let him afford to walk, and they made the right decision by keeping him. That's the short and sweet of it. Yep, basically. Um, all right. So uh, now the other thing that I wanted to mention before, because we're going to do. We'll probably do an extensive look next week on like just things that we found. But I also wanted to mention before we go is that we actually have our first big injury uh, to happen. Um, like you know, in this first week here, uh, Taylor Hall. Uh, he he ended up getting hit by a former teammate of his, Brandon Carlo, um, and he it's like an upper body injury. It looked like it might have been a back injury, but um, anyways, they're saying that he's out week to week. However, I did look it up, and it looks like he's practicing, so it may just be a month or so. Um, I also wanted to combine this with, he did get a goal in that Bruins game, um, his first goal ever, and uh, but overall, in these three games, he has three points. So um, he's looking good, even though may, I feel like the Taylor Hall news is going to... Um, it's going to be bad for the Chicago Blackhawks in the relative short term. Uh, yeah, uh, Taylor Hall, he's injured. Yeah, uh, uh, the, well, the question I have is, how does that better Chicago's chances of winning the draft lottery? Because after all, yeah. there's one thing Taylor Hall has done besides win a hard trophy is uh, he has this knack for winning draft lotteries for the teams that he's on. True. So if if uh, if he somehow gets the Hawks another young talent, hey, then he's done his job already. Yep. Um but yeah, uh I, I feel like this would have been a, a huge opportunity for Taylor Hall to really kinda turn back the clock and and turn back into maybe not twenty nineteen MVP Taylor Hall, but like have offensive numbers that around the 60 to 70 point area he accepted more of a depth position with boston and that led to uh lower production numbers but i feel like uh being on bedard's line he could have resurrected his offensive uh, career um a little bit but uh we'll see how this upper body injury kind of takes its toll on that by the way despite the fact that Connor bedard has only held to a goal and two assists in three games uh consider that he played against pittsburgh mm. which has a lot of stars um, a young Montreal Canadiens team and a Boston Bruins team that, while they did lose a lot of talent, uh, they're still pretty good. And uh, he got 16 shots in those three games, which is yeah. over five a game. Yeah, which pretty good. Uh, for a rookie is very damn good. Yeah. And that first goal he scored was a sick wraparound with his trademark Connor Bedard speed, just beating the goalie to the post and sneaking it in there. Yeah. Um. The dude is confident and his poise is remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm a little bit skeptical. I just want to see how he does in the longer term because I was watching that Bruins-Blackhawks uh, game in full and I, I like, you know, he gets hit to the boards basically and it was also Carlo again who was involved there as well and, and he was slow to get up. It's definitely some of that worry still where it's like, you know, especially for like small guys and short guys, it's like, Clearly, he's very talented, but you're always, like, aware of, like, the fact that because they're so short, 
they get there's a depth for that injury more so there's definitely that that point of view where you have to like consider like oh okay this like he may not just be used to that kind of physicality um in the chl but yeah they, you know of course he's still young and he's incredible still from what i've seen of him um so now we'll just do some nhl takeaways with we have like seven minutes left basically um i just you know just things that things that we just noticed um and things that uh we will probably talk more about different things um extensively next week um but i did want to point out some things that stood out to me one austin matthews he's averaging a hat trick a game um so that's that's pretty cool um Jordan Bennington, he has a 969 save percentage in three games so far. Or, sorry, two games. Um, so, who knows? Maybe Jordan Bennington's back. Uh, speaking of other goaltenders who might be something, he uh, Mason Blackwood, or Mackenzie Blackwood, not Mason Blackwood. Um, he stopped. He had 50 saves last night against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, they ended, the Sharks ended up losing. But uh, that's still pretty impressive, the fact that he was, like, he he got the Sharks at least a point um, in the game because mm-hmm. it went to a shutout. Nathan McKinnon had, like, 12 shots on goal that game. Um, and then, oh, Brock Besser, he had four goals um, in this first night as well that I wanted to shout out as well. I'm sure there's other ones that you'll remind me of, but uh, those were the big takeaways so far from the NHL. I also wanted to give a couple of shout-outs to Matt Coronado, the Calgary Flames, Marco Rossi, the Minnesota Wild, finally getting their first career NHL goals over the weekend. Love that for them, especially for uh, Marco Rossi, who is a former 67th. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, more on a serious matter, um, the NHL ditching the pride tape. I don't know if anyone remembers that happening earlier Mm. in the week. Um... I feel like uh, the NHL was very big on inclusivity at the beginning, and they really went all in on uh, the pride jerseys and the pride tape and all that kind of stuff, whereas they start to pull these back where it's like, okay, no pride jerseys. Also, we're rolling back on the pride tape as well, where they kind of committed so much to to one thing, and now it seems like they're kind of – trying to avoid to get canceled and they're they're kind of kind of pulling back it seems a bit too much but i get why they're trying to do it they're trying to not take away from the cause and like not have these things serve as a distraction i have uh i i am interested to see how many players are going to be like "Ah, screw it i'm going to be using the pride tape anyway no way it's going to stop me yep i'm interested to see how many of those cases there are going to be how many all-star players might be involved in that yep if there are any but um it's just something that caught my eye in the the news cycles this week yeah, no, that's totally fair. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned that even through emails. Yeah, it's definitely, obviously, it's, it's um, unfortunately, it's not surprising to me that the NHL is doing this because yeah. I just think it's, um, you know, yeah, we're taking a step back in this, um, in this cause, and it's, it's definitely unfortunate and very sad to think about. But yeah, on the other hand, it's like I keep on hearing all these like stories on Twitter or like where players are being asked about it. And a lot of them are saying that, like, you know what, I'm going to play the tape or I'm going to wear this this tape anyways, or I'm just going to like, you know, I'm still going to go out and show appreciation for all the LGBTQ community people out there, um, even if, you know, 
they're like the NHL isn't really going to support it anymore. So, um, so that gives me some type of hope where it's like, you know, like there are still some players out there who are doing this, um, or just, you know, I also wanted to give a a quick shout out to Brock Faber, the Minnesota wild, uh, with the Jared Spurgeon injury and, uh, Minnesota's defense, not looking itself against Toronto, uh, Dean Evison, the coach of the Wild, has uh, said that Brock Faber has really taken a step forward and become mm-hmm. one of the best defenders on the Minnesota defense, which, you know, you consider that guys like Jonas Brodin are on that pairing. Yeah. Like, that's high praise for a young defender like that. And I also believe he got a goal in one of those games, yeah, too. So, like shout out to Brock Faber for a good start to the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at, the, like, the standings here, like, at least the players who got points. I did mention that Austin Matthews is averaging a hat-trick per game, which is, uh, it looks like he's, you know, back on his BS, basically. Um and, um, I mean, yeah, it's like he had a hat-trick against Montreal, and that was kind of crazy, too, because Montreal was, like, ahead by a lot, and it looked like, oh, this is embarrassing for Toronto. And then all of a sudden, like, Matthew's like, you know what? I'm just going to score goals and win this team and win this game. And, it, like, it's no big deal. And I think he, like, scored, like, two goals in, like, five minutes. So there was that. But, like, it's impressive that he was able to do that. Like, yeah, Montreal, it's like Jake Allen, whatever. But then he does it again to Minnesota, and I, I've been talking up uh, Philip Gustafson, and so he was he's able to get a hat trick against Philip Gustafson, so that's impressive. And Gustafson had a shutout in the season opener as well. Also wanted to shut some more Americans out here. Um, Jake Gensel, um, he's he's uh, back as well. Uh, he has six points um, in three games. Evgeny Malkin, although he's not an American, but he has six points as well. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's funny the first night when, uh, the Penguins lost, uh, Steve, like, I think he jokingly put on like an email saying like, call off the hype train. I mean, I know you were joking cause it's a long game. Yeah. The hype train is fake. I believe yeah, yeah. my exact words. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And then immediately, um, they, they, they win the next two games and I'm like, all right, the hype train's back on. So I, I appreciate yeah, that this is going to be a thing now for, between us this season. Um, and then I also yeah. wanted to mention, uh, Evan Rodriguez. Uh, he, he's now on the, uh, Florida Panthers. Um, you didn't get any points against Minnesota, but, uh, he went off, uh, yesterday, uh, where he had two goals and two assists. In four, uh, and that's like four points. I'm trying to see here if that, how many time, what time on ice he had, but I met, I don't think he's on the top six. So, in any case, Evan Rodriguez, um, he had an incredible game yesterday, uh, with two goals and two assists as well. Um, so, so there's that too. Um, it's funny because it's like, oh, we're, oh, I guess we have 50 seconds left. Um, I don't know. I guess we could call it early. Um, unless you don't have anything else that you wanted to mention. I'll, I'll give one more shout-out. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, two goals, one assist yep. against the Flyers. As a Suns fan, Jake, please keep doing that. Oh, yeah, and I guess if we're going to be homers here, it's actually pronounced Matthew Patra. I was calling it Poitras because that's how you spell yeah. it. Um, but it's actually he's Patra. Good. And he's looked good, um, even though he's on the third line. And JVR, um, he had two goals last night as well, so... I don't know. He uh, he might have some resurgence here, so that that'll be kind of yeah, exciting maybe. if that continues. Um, all right. Uh, so now we have eight seconds left, and I'm just gonna stop the timer here before it rings. Um, 
Okay, so that's it for us here at Lace em Up. You can follow us on uh, Twitter, iTunes, or you can follow us. <laughs> I've been doing this for so long that I messed that up here. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, wherever else. Um, actually, I think that's it. I'm keep on messing this up. I'm just yeah. so surprised uh, that this is a short episode. Wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, yeah. I think we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Spotify, iTunes, yeah. SoundCloud, yeah. somewhere just, else. Probably. I'm just more shocked that this is like 45 minutes. Uh, where are where yeah. we're not even at an hour. So I think that's yeah, really why. Yeah, and we didn't even sound off the timer. <laughs> no, no, and yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm sure we'll eventually have moments where we'll sound off the timer, but um, yeah. Um, okay, that's about it, though. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll chat again in episode 384 of the Lace My Podcast.